0: open up your Bibles to the book of Titus, a little book uh, kind of buried in uh, the New Testament. So we are in Titus, and um, we're going to be in chapter 2 today, and we're going to look at, um, as I get settled here, uh, verse 3 to 5. And if um, you've been here the past couple of weeks, you're probably thinking to yourself, you skipped, you skipped. Pastor Jordan, you skipped some verses, like you we, we, we skipped. And I did this for a reason, because we're going to talk about women today, and then on Father's Day, we're going to talk about men. See how I did that? Clever. You're welcome. Um, so we'll go back and pick up those verses next week uh, from Titus chapter 1. But uh, we're going to look at Titus chapter 2. If you can't find Titus, go to the table of contents. It's, it's good. It's right there. A lot of people ask me uh, in the week, they say, uh, how can I pray for you? Which I love. That's, that's a really good Um, thing to ask your pastor. Most of the time, just be fully transparent. 90% of the time, I have no idea how to respond to that. Um, No clue. This week, totally knew how to respond. I was like, hey, I'm going to preach about women for at least a half hour. So if you could just pray about that. And then I thought about taking that drum shield and just putting it like right in front, right? And one person from our congregation said, I have a bunch of rotten fruit Do you want me to just bring it to church? And then when you make a point that we don't like, we can just throw fruit at you. And I said, that's not fair. Um, You shouldn't say that. And so I I told them they couldn't be here today. Um, And they were banned. And I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but I did it anyway. Um, So, yeah, if you're here, well, rule breaker. Anyway. So, so we're talking about sound doctrine for women, okay? And uh, you can just pray for me as we, we participate in this, because this is God's word. This isn't Jordan's opinion, okay? Let's, let's be clear there. And everything that God gives us in his word is for our good. And there are so many times when people look at me and they say, I feel like the Bible speaks negatively to women. And if somebody told you that, they lied. Because the Bible elevates women. And it looks at women and it says, women, you are, you are beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. And more times in the Bible, we see women just looked at and, and loved and adorned by God. And so uh, my prayer today is that you don't see this as, as punishment, right? But you see this as, as, as kind of praise and a spurring on for you to look like Jesus. Now, guys, there's a tendency for us to look at this and say, ah, oh, this is a sound doctrine for women. I don't have to pay attention. That's not true, okay? Because all of these traits that we're gonna talk about are just as much for believers as they are for anybody else. So there's things in here where we could look at and say, man, I need to work on that as well. So let's keep uh, the, the elbow nudges at a minimum today, gentlemen. Promise? Promise? Okay, I'm just double-checking, making sure. Okay, so let's look at this. Let's look at Titus. So Paul um, is gonna give some words to women. And if you remember, Titus and First and Second Timothy kind of line up together. They are what is called pastoral epistles or letters of this man named Paul who was commissioned by God to give direction to the church And he gives um, practical instructions, we talked about last week, to local leaders called elders. And then here he's going to talk to women, obviously. He's going to talk to men. He's going to talk to workers and pretty much everybody else. If you call yourself a believer, Paul is talking to you. And his words are God-given to a pastor. His name is Titus, and that's the title of the book. And Titus is to sort out what's wrong in the church. And he's kind of to sort out what's wrong in the church, because as go the church, I would say goes the world. And so, and what I mean by that is if we set a good precedence here in the church, we are calling people to model Jesus. And so, here, um, what, what Paul tells Pastor Titus is, and, and I love what Bethany's saying, well, you want to pass this promise from one generation to the next, and you want to show them what honors and glorifies the Lord. Why? Because right behavior and God honoring living will have everyday effects. And it will leave no room for critics in your life. So people will maybe attack your Jesus, but they uh, can't attack you because you look like Jesus. And essentially what it will do also is it will really elevate the Lord and help you to worship him. So um, our, our main idea here is, is sound doctrine for women. And let's look at verse 3. Uh, Titus chapter 2 verse 3. Big, uh, big numbers are the chapters. Smaller numbers are the verses. <clears throat> um, verse 3. Older women, and this is Pastor Titus. Okay, Paul giving these words to Titus to give to your congregation. I can't even imagine opening this letter and reading this out to people. Hard enough to preach it today. He says, "Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior. They're not to be slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good." Well, let's just pause for a second, all right? And let's um, just start off on a great uh, on, a, on a great note. What's an older woman? Pray for me, pray for me. All right, go to the next slide, Elizabeth. What is an older woman? We gotta define that. All right, so Paul's not an idiot, and he uses the word likewise. And remember, he's used that word to just comment on the conduct for elders. If you missed that message, it's online, communitygospelchurch.com, you can check it out. He's also talked a little bit about guys in verse one and two. Now, he's not picking on women. Paul commands Titus to teach older women To behave reverently in a God honoring way. What is an older woman? All right? Older woman means an aged woman. Oh boy. An adult female that is advanced in years. Now, Paul, who's pretty smart, doesn't specify an age, right? He's not an idiot. Um, uh, But in biblical context, we know what qualifies a woman to be older. In the New Testament, childbearing typically, now this is just typical ended about 40, and raising kids at 60. Now, there's some exceptions to that rule, okay? Uh, Of course. Um, So therefore, it seems reasonable to take an older woman as a reference to a woman who is at least 60. (laughs) Okay, all right, we're good. No fruit flu. All right, we're good. That is the age, and how did you get there? That is the age that Paul mentions in First Timothy regarding widows who qualified to be put on the list to receive financial support from the church. So Paul tells older women, now here's the thing, it's not bad to be an older woman, right? This is not a bad thing, this is a good thing. He says, older women, you are to have three godly characteristics, all right? Because the younger women are looking at you, they're watching you. They're looking at how you act. They're looking at uh, what you do. So the first thing that an older godly woman is to have is reverent behavior. Now, if you want to circle that word reverent, okay, it's only used in the New Testament here. And it's a combination of two words. The first uh, part of that word means sacred or holy consecrated to God. Women who are older, you are sacred and holy consecrated to God. Is that not a good thing? That's that's a great thing, right? To be holy and that God looks at you and he sets you apart for a specific purpose. It was a word that was used to describe the entire Jewish complex, something that all people could look at and adore. Isn't that amazing? The second part of that word means to be fitting and suitable and right. It's used in verse one describing the things that are fitting for sound. Doctrine. So if you take those two words, okay, and you put them together in a compound word, it means that older women are to be respected because they are sacred to God. Now, gentlemen, do we look at the older women in the church this way? Do we look at them like that? We need to start, right? Okay, the New Testament word behavior means deportment, which includes a reference to dress, now, if only we had an example in the, in the biblical text that, that would be a model for this. Oh, well, in Luke, there is one. In Luke chapter 2, verse 37, there's a woman. Her name's Anna, and she had all this virtue. She is a widow, and at the age of 84, she never left the temple. She served night and day with fasting and prayers. And because she lived so faithfully to the Lord, the Holy Spirit enabled her to immediately recognize the infant Christ as Messiah. Okay, so older women were to both act and dress decent and adorned with holiness, okay? Number two, older women, she does not slander. Some of our younger women are gossips because they're seeing it modeled in our older women, okay? And the word here is diabolos, which pictures what the devil does. Now let's backtrack a second in the Old Testament. Satan threw lives or slandered Eve creating a schism between God and man and man and his wife. In the Old Testament, the devil's game plan was to wreak havoc on relationships by throwing between exactly what malicious gossip does. So a true wise woman, true wise woman, excuse me, refuses to start gossip. She refuses to listen to gossip. She refuses to participate in gossip. And one commentator, I love it, he says, Just as men are more inclined to abuse others physically, which I could be like, amen, right? Women are more inclined to abuse others verbally, which can be just as destructive. Now, I love what Spurgeon says. Uh, Watch this. Spurgeon says, How beautiful an aged Christian woman, by her kindly example, a teacher of good things, There is no more charming sight under heaven, I think, than that of an elderly Christian lady. I would agree with that. If you see a woman who loves the Lord, who's advanced in years, man, she is just a beauty to behold. I think about um, my aunt. Her name is Yvonne. Um, Her husband, Dave, he's actually dying right now. You can pray for them. She She is the epitome of a godly woman. She loves the Lord. You can see it in her walk and her talk. I think about uh, my dad's mom, uh, my grandma Muck, we used to call her the queen, because she dressed like the queen of England, and uh, man, she was just, she she just loved the Lord, right? Um, I think then that of an elderly Christian lady whose words and whose whole life are such becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, younger women, as well as all of us, shouldn't this be the life that we aspire to? Like, it's easy for us to look at that and say, oh, well, I know this, you know, or whatever the case is, but we can all aspire to that. We can all aspire to be an example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at the third thing. She says, she is not a slave to wine. Paul uses the word enslaved, which means to make a slave or to be controlled. And we talked about this a little bit last week in regards to elders. But being a slanderer, a slave to wine, was a real possibility in the New Testament. Why? Well, in the New Testament, essentially, these older women had a lot of idle times on their, idle time on their hands. Because essentially their kids were grown up and they didn't have a whole lot to do. So instead of serve the Lord, they let themselves become enslaved to alcohol, which became their master. It has been said that two things, and I would agree with this, are completely unbecoming on a woman. Number one is the smell of cigarettes. Can't stand it. Man, when there is a woman who is is gorgeous and puts a cigarette in her mouth, I'm just like, what are you doing? What is happening? And number two is drunkenness. Such practices were detested in the Roman tradition. If the secular society is against it, then the, the, the spiritual society shouldn't be, right? I heard a guy preach on this uh, this past week. And he said, you know, it's funny. In our society, there's women right now who make this like claim to wine, right? Like wine's like a good thing. I can't parent unless I have a little bit of wine or whatever the case is. He says, As a matter of fact, you go to like Joanne's or whatever the case is, and you'll see like gallon like wine glasses, and he's like, we as men don't sit there and say, I need a 30-pack to make it through the day. He's like, so why do we honor and glorify this? this? This is not a good thing. That was hard to say. An older believer who is enslaved or becomes addicted to anything, especially alcohol, you just have to know God hates it. And it disgraces the reputation of yourself, your home, the church, and it leads an ungodly example. Look at Proverbs 31. I love Proverbs 31, Right? charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord, she is worthy to be praised. She is worthy to be praised. Young guys, you look at that, you you find a woman who loves Jesus, go after her, right? Okay, so Titus is encouraging older women, then and now, develop this ministry, start with their life, and then share what they learned with younger women who would profit from it. All right, so uh, we got through that. All right, verse three, okay, second part. Um, And into verse four, teach what is good for. So you are to train the younger women to love their husbands and children. Now, older women, you have a responsibility to teach younger women what it means to do these things, to be self controlled and pure and work at home. Holy cow and be kind and submissive. Two of the biggest things that people fight about in the history of the church is working from home and submission, and we're tackling it today. Why not? All right. That the word of God may not be reviled. What's he talking about there? What's, what does that mean? Well, okay, teach the younger woman. Let's, let's talk about that. We already talked about what an older woman is, so ready for this? Younger woman, anybody else? Okay, so now we're all in the same boat. All right? Now, I want you to circle in your Bible the word good. The word good is translated beautiful or attractive. Older women were to teach in both example and instruction. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are always teaching people by your words and your actions. You're either teaching them something that's godly or something that is selfish. You're always teaching. My dad used to say this growing up. He said it all the time. More is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. And so when we look at this, these young women would come to Christ, they would come from pagan backgrounds, and they didn't have godly role models, right? And it's amazing how many young women, even today, don't know how to love their husbands or their children because worldly feminism tells them to forget your family and you find fulfillment in your career and your sinful romances. That's not good. So let's, let's, let's destroy that, okay? Okay? godly older women were to talk some sense into these women. Older women who love Jesus, we need you as a church to talk some sense into the younger generation. And here's, as as a young man, to the older men who love Jesus, you got to talk some sense into me sometimes. Even though sometimes I will kick against you as hard as I possibly can, I'm still hearing your words. I still heard you. Okay, so, What is beautiful and attractive to God? What does the model of the home look like? Well, look at this. Paul says, here's seven areas, okay? we're gonna go through these really fast. Seven areas. First one, you should love your husband and your children, even if your husband doesn't deserve it. That is such a problem in our society today. Women withhold their love because of something their husband did. God doesn't do that to you. God doesn't do that to you. This is a Christ-like love to your husband and children. Young women were almost always wives with children. In Jewish and Greco-Roman societies, they frowned upon singleness. Thank God it's not like that today, okay? But in Judaism and moral secular culture, it was important that wives loved their husbands and children. In other words, it was common in that society, even if you were secular, to love your husband and your kids. But believers kicked it up a notch, Believers were like, we're gonna love like Jesus loves, okay? Now, tombs even had inscriptions saying that a deceased woman's crowning virtue was the love that she had for her husband and her kids. Now, if you want to, you can circle that word love. That's from the word phylos, which means like loving in a friend. And essentially, young women were to continually be fond of their husbands and not other men. It was determined that he was to be her best friend, dare we say only guy friend, and to love their kids through proper discipline and impression of the word. Moms, sometimes, sometimes love is discipline, right? Like, can you say amen, Matt? Like, sometimes love is disciplining your kids. That's good. You should discipline your kids. They need it, right? In pagan crete, which is a lot like post-Christian paganized America, this was needed badly. Because there was a generation of young women who had been brought up that exalts feminism, slanders biblical standards for marriage and order in the home. And so a true godly woman loved her husband like Jesus and her kids by seeking their best. She was always trying to seek their best. She was always trying to love him like Jesus and make sure that she sought their best. How did she do that? Well, she was self-controlled. She was temperate and sensible. That's what that word means. A woman who had a sound mind, who wasn't impulsive, had the ability to curve desires and impulses and live in a measured and orderly life. Now, guys, you are not off the hook here because we all should be able to do this, right? It is when just because you can say something doesn't mean you should say something, amen? Okay, with us and our kids, it's not what you said, it's how you said it, all right? The self-controlled person understands what mama taught them. If you can't think of something good to say, then don't say anything at all, right? And sometimes, men, we not saying anything at all still says a lot. If you go back in Genesis chapter 26, Isaac and Rebecca, Rebecca needed a wise older woman to counsel and teach her. It is a great advantage for a young mom to have a wise, saintly older woman to teach and to counsel them. Now, young women, this is your responsibility you do not wait for some godly woman to come up to you. It's just like uh, in college, they believed in this thing um, where, where men in dorms would pray to God that, that their spouse would come and, and be at the front porch, and God doesn't work like that, right? I pray to the Lord that he would bring me my spouse, and she would have everything that I want, and she would come, and she would ring my doorbell. It doesn't work like that. Get out of the house, stupid, and go find your wife, Okay? Be the the man on the horse that sweeps her off her feet, right? That's what she wants. So here, all right, women who are younger, if you want this, go get this. Amen? If you want something like this, you got to go get it. So it's a great advantage for young mothers to have that wise, saintly, older woman. Preaching and pastoral counseling have their roles but let me tell you something. Some problems and pressures are best resolved when women talk to women, and that's okay. Man, I, it warms my heart to see older women and younger women having conversations in that foyer every Sunday. Hey, help me out. My kid is nuts. Well, let me tell you what we did, right? <laughs> the best advice I've heard in our foyer is when the older women look at the younger women and they go, it'll pass. It'll pass. <laughs> and Mark Lowry said, it'll pass or you'll pass, right? <clears throat> Look at the next one. He says, be pure, referring to moral and sexual purity. Women can be sexually impure just like men can be in regards to faithfulness. Now let's jump over to Timothy. You don't have to go there, but let me put it up there. First Timothy chapter two, nine and 10. Believing women as young wives are to adorn, that means kind of like how they put on makeup, right? To adorn themselves with the proper clothing, modesty and discreetly. There is nothing sexier on a woman than a modest woman. I'll say it again. There is nothing sexier than a modest woman who is discreet, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as benefits women making a claim to godliness. Now, is it wrong to wear makeup? No, it's not. Is it wrong to wear jewelry? No, it's not. But when that is where you find your identity, right, and you don't find it in Jesus, then there's the problem, okay? Older women were to make sure that younger women had a healthy sense of shame at saying anything or doing anything or dressing in any way that could cause a man to lust. Keep their sexual passions or flesh subdued. <laughs> this just happened to me. Uh, so, so we teach at Grace, right? You guys already know that? And, uh, and girls at Grace kind of miss the mark sometimes in regards to dress. And so I went up to a lady at Grace one time and I said, hey, do you mind coming uh, or, or telling my student that uh, their clothes were bought at half off and uh, they need to find the other half? <laughs> and she's like, what? And I said, yeah, I'm serious. Can you tell them that? Because um, like I have to talk to students sometimes like this, right? I'm like, it's, it's all good, right? Um, kind of like how I'm preaching today. Um, <clears throat> okay, next one. Work at home. This is not saying a woman cannot work, all right? Let's just get that off the table right now. It is more devoted to her home duties as they are in higher priority than the work duties. The NIV says that they are busy at home. I love what uh, this commentator says. He says, excuse me, you can go ahead and go to the next one, that young women at home, tasks might not seem as exciting as supervising the production division, of a big corporation or as interesting as teaching philosophy but in light of eternity the role of keepers of the home is infinitely more worthwhile. I'm not saying you can't work ladies. My wife works but our home is number one priority in our house. The, 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 the home is, is the biggest mission field you have. Okay? Like so, so don't hear me where you look at me and say you know what Jordan like uh, you don't believe that women should work. I never said that. And God never said that. But if your work is on a higher priority list than your home, then that's a problem. And let me just tell you something. God will always provide financially for you. If you place your home above everything else, God will always provide financially for you. Okay? According to 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 40, a woman is not to be busy here and there. If she is, she may one day wake up to the fact that her children are gone and the world has taken them. Um, Bethany and I made the decision, she didn't start working at Grace until our kids were at school. And she is she's not at Grace when the kids are um, home from school. We've just made that decision. And we're not saying we do everything right either. Man, far from it, right? <laughs> uh, second to last one. I'm gonna tear up if I keep talking about that. All right, uh, be kind in a reference to character. Luke, the, the famous physician, he says, being kind describes a different quality of soil. In Luke chapter eight, verse eight, it says, other seed fell into the good soil and it grew up and it produced a crop of a hundred times as great. That word there refers to that which has the proper characteristics for performing the expected function in a fully satisfactory way. So what? Young women were to be gentle and considerate and sympathetic even with those who are undeserving and unkind to them, which also includes us as husbands, right? And children. Look at the last one. I can't tell you any other passage of scripture that's more debated than anything that talks about submission. Holy cow, bring up submission in our world and people go nuts. It's crazy because you miss the boat. Submissive is a good thing. Wives being submissive to their husbands as their husbands are submissive to the Lord. We're all submissive. Children, you're submissive to your parents. Parents, you're submissive to Jesus. Like, submission is a thing. Jesus was submissive to God the Father. Everybody's submissive. It's not a bad thing at all. If you want to circle the word submissive, it literally means to set something in place up under something else. In context, it refers to a wife willingly placing herself under her husband and his authority. It's the old adage, behind every great man is a... Even greater woman. She has propped herself up under him. She is his support system. As she follows the Lord, he follows the Lord. In other words, she as a wife makes a choice to place herself as an equal underneath another equal, her husband, in order that there can be order and function in the family. The purpose is not masculinity, but to meet God's design of order. It's her act of worship. The word submissive here was a military term. It describes soldiers lining up under their authority. It referred to the arrangement of the military on the battlefield to facilitate effective warfare. In other words, every time a woman is submissive to her husband as he is submissive to the Lord, she's like, we fight better against this world. Isn't that awesome? She, she's, she's tougher than you are, guys. So that means when you go make a stupid decision, she's sitting there giving you grace, Right? So we look at this and we realize this is a great thing. This is a specific charge. A wife submits to her husband as he submits to the Lord. Not every man. When do we, as wives, I say we like I'm a woman. That's not true. Sometimes you think so. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) When, and this gets asked to me all the time, so when do I get to disobey my husband? When do I get to disobey my husband? Well, that's a good question. Every time your husband asks you to do something unbiblical, Every time your husband asks you to do something illegal, every time your husband asks you to do something immoral or unethical, that applies sexually too as well, just saying. Then you can disobey. But here, for the most part, we follow his leadership as he follows the Lord. And by doing this, she honors the Lord. She honors his word. She has a reach in an effective manner for the heart of her husband. She seeks his best. I love this. This is an anonymous quote. It says, No believer should do anything that would give an unbeliever an excuse for defaming the word of God. Paul says, Listen, Pastor Titus, This is done so that the word of God may not be reviled. In other words, By older and younger women manifesting these qualities, As the church manifests these qualities, They, one, bring honor and glory to God. They, two, earn the respect of outsiders And are able to share the gospel. And they also edify the church because they support their husbands and raise godly children. Ellen and I were having a conversation at Club E. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but uh, we're sitting there and we're, we're talking about life and all this other stuff that's going on. And she looked at me and she said, I just love that our church has such a solid stance on the home. And what was so great about it was she didn't say your stance. She said our church's stance and our church's stance is founded on the word of God. And you guys are doing great at that. And Koken you guys are doing great at that too as well. You guys love the Lord. I see that in your life. It's so attractive to us. It's something that we should model. It's good stuff. Today, for some odd reason, the opposite's true. I don't understand it. Like, I'm kind of dumbfounded because <laughs> I'm like, did we not read the word? Like, did we, did we miss something here? Believing women, wives, mothers can still be sure that the Lord will honor those who value what he values. And that he will ultimately vindicate both his word and those who are faithful to it. I read this earlier. It says, A wife and a woman who claims to be a believer but doesn't demonstrate a love for her husband and children, moral purity, being a godly homemaker, is not a good advertisement for the gospel. However, a wife who practices these things, she stands out from the crowd, she stands out from the world. She is like the woman in Proverbs 31 she will be praised. And when she is praised, she deflects that praise back over to the Lord, and she gives him glory. So God wants all of us to focus on becoming beautiful people. There is nothing more beautiful in this world than a woman who loves the Lord. And I'm so thankful that my wife loves the Lord. Not outward, fading beauty of this world, and I think my wife's pretty attractive, and if you say yes, we're going to fight. but in her lasting beauty of a heart that's obedient to him. One time my kids asked me, said, "Uh, Dad, what do you find most attractive about Mom? I said, her heart, because she loves the Lord. So we have to really work on this, because it takes work. We have to align to the Lord, get to work on helping this beautiful bride that we have called the church develop into this gorgeous figure for his glory. Can I pray for you? Uh, Lord, that was tough. Because I feel like that's that's pretty countercultural. Um, and and before we before we like just kind of think about how to like bring this all together. We want to thank you for your instructions that are in your Word, and we thank you that even though they're hard and they're difficult, they're for our good. And we thank you for the people that you've placed in our life to give wise advice and sound teaching. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for my grandma. I'm thankful for the women that you have put in my life who love Jesus. I'm thankful for the women that you have put in my wife's lives that have modeled what it looks like to be a godly woman. I'm thankful for my mother-in-law. I'm thankful for her, her mom. I thank you for Women who have influenced and are striving to influence people around them for the Lord and to be virtuous in both words and action. And we thank you that you've laid it out so clear to us exactly what these instituted roles and responsibilities look like for our homes. And if God, if we approach this, this message today and, and we find ourselves a little angry about it, we ask that you would eliminate that in our lives. And we ask that you would help us to see that you've laid out exactly how this looks. And that your systems and structures that are placed in our lives are for our good. Even if the world pushes back against that over and over again, we know that you have our good in mind. And we ask for your forgiveness when we go away from that. And we rebel against that system and structure. And we pray, God, as we all are getting older, that we all would be a source of help and encouragement in a godly way to those who are younger than us. I pray, God, even as a young man, that I would be able to embrace the godly wisdom from older men. And that my wife would be the same, that she would embrace godly wisdom from older women. And that older women here would embrace the call to worship you by instructing younger women. We ask that you would give all of us sound wisdom and understanding in your word and the ability to be used by you to instruct others as you see fit and may we do that with humility and grace. Help us develop this godly attitude in our homes, in our marriages, in our church, in our fellowships, in our neighborhoods. Help us to apply the godly principles and biblical teachings in your word for evangelism and edification efforts. We know God that the days are increasing and the world is pushing back more and more and more. Both men and women struggle and we ask that you would help us to live a godly life until the return of Christ and that we would depend not on our own spirit but the Holy Spirit so that your word would not be dishonored in our lives and that others would be attracted to the beauty of Christ through our living testimony. May all we think, say, and do be a living testimony, both at home, abroad, and the communities entrusted to our care through your wisdom and grace. We ask these things in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.